never before in the history of motion pictures has there been a screen presence so commanding, so powerful, so deadly. He's Conan, the librarian. Can you tell me where I can find a book on astronomy? Don't you know the Dewey Decimal System? Conan, the librarian. I'm sorry. These books are a little overdue. <laughs> Conan, the librarian. Tonight, only on U62. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Nostalgia Junk Podcast. Uh, while Matt pours beer tonight, we're going to be watching one of the best sci-fi action films in the 80s, James Cameron's The Terminator from 1984. Uh, and it says on the DVD box, the Blu-ray box, rated R for extreme violence and a sexually suggestive scene. Just one. So just one. Yeah, it's weird that they, they put that on there. To go along with our movie watching, we decided to snack on some classics, classic snack treats. Most notably, I would say, um, you know, the Terminator being a uh, cyborg from the future with a metal endoskeleton. Uh, the, we were going to be eating some York pepper and patties, very, very silver, very metallic looking package. It's the closest we can get to a, a themed snack for 2020. And it tastes as cold as the heart of a Terminator. Well I just I just pulled that out right there. He's got more folks. The night is young. <laughs> what are you drinking? Uh, so to start, uh, I'm drinking a brand new one from Propeller Brewing called uh, Citra, which is a pale lager using you know the most classic of hops, the Citra hop. Nice melon, citrus, pineapple flavor. You know, what are you drinking? I'm drinking Flying Monkeys from Ontario. Sparkle Puff, Galaxy Starfighter, Defender of the Universe. Oh. Triple IPA, 10.2%. This goes along with the Terminator having extreme violence, uh, one suggestive scene. This is an extra strong beer. So, here's to you. That does kind of go with the Terminator. All right. Who's an extra strong creature. Cheers. Cheers. Sociables. Hey. Welcome to Bitch Watch. Hi, I'm Sly. I'm Witsy. And we're Two Bitches Watching TV. We're a recap and shit talk show. That's right. We watch hours and hours and hours of TV, so you don't have to. You can listen and laugh along with us everywhere you listen to podcasts and find us on Instagram and Twitter at BitchWatchPod. Is our show original? No. Entertaining? We hope so. This is BitchWatch. Hello yet again, and welcome to the Insanely Dangerous Retro Pod Show. Size doesn't matter, it's what you do with it yes well i mean i'm off now because i've got to go and scream absolutely garbage paulie shaw is somebody i don't really give a fuck about he did kick me off the arse nice nice argument there oh shut up shut up oh there's a finger i i almost urinated tune in next week because i just can't stop loving you guys it's the batman jeans no more andy hinchcliffe Yeah, but just a nice trip down uh, the old 80s memory lane. Oh, yeah. One of my favorite movies growing up. So this is not going to be a watch along, but I am hitting play now.
so yeah, The Terminator, Cameron's second film. I know he was working with Roger Corman in his studio for a bit. And his first film, actually, he's since discredited it, apparently, but Piranha. Piranha 2, The Spawning. The Spawning. But yeah, I've never even seen that, but apparently he's, I, I read in an interview or something that he just totally doesn't even want it attached to his name anymore. All right, here we go. Los Angeles, 2029 AD. We're pretty close to this. So I don't know. The world needs to hurry up and just, you know, have an, the machines need to rise pretty soon. Otherwise, this is just not even going to be ring true at all. But is this really that far off? I mean, aesthetically, it's far off, but I mean, the machi- machines have taken over. That's true. Elon Musk did say that, you know, theoretically, we could be living in a virtual simulation right now, just like the Matrix. So who knows? Maybe the machines have already taken over, Matt. What? <laughs> What I love about this is how not 1984 it looks. Yeah, for sure. Definitely uh, its simplicity of its design. I made it, I guess, more effective, like Mm -hmm. a dystopian future, you know, black and gray and skulls and flying ships. And I don't know. It's very cold. Yes. Yeah. It's void of humanity. Michael Bean. Is that how you say that? I think so. I don't know. But the Terminator came from a nightmare. I did read this too. This is awesome. Yeah. Director and co-writer James Cameron first thought of the idea for The Terminator while stressed out and fever-stricken in Rome during production on his low-budget horror movie, what was it, Kyle? Piranha 2 The Spotting? Which he had reluctantly agreed to direct after a hard night of editing his own cut of a movie he hated. Cameron dreamed a solid chrome torso crawling out of an explosion, dragging itself across the floor. The director quickly cooked up a story of a robot assassin sent back in time to kill the woman whose son will become the savior of humankind and the Terminator was born. Cameron has since disowned Piranha 2 and considers the Terminator his first film. Yeah, as he should. I mean, when, you know, the, the end product is so, I mean, it's just amazing, right? Like, what a great story. What a great, like, you know, inspiration for the story. Um, man, just amazing. And Gail, so I just, just saw in the credits there, produced and co-written by Gail Ann Hurd, who actually he... Uh, was married to for a bit, but I also read something interesting too that she secured the rights for the film and then agreed to make it only if Cameron directed, which was awesome of her. But also, apparently, she was only involved in like kind of script notes, not the actual script. Cameron had said that uh, even though she has a screenplay writing credit in the movie, that she actually didn't contribute to the writing of the film at all, <laughs> which I thought was kind of interesting. But hey, you know, if it wasn't for her, the movie would never have been made. So he sold the Terminator script to her for a dollar. <laughs> I'd buy that for a dollar. I'd buy that for a dollar. Oh, my God. And she did. Whatever he was selling for a dollar, she bought it. She did. I love this intro with this this garbage man. Like, how how many movies uh, in the eighties do you think were like, the, you know, there's just like a person minding their own business like this? It's always a blue collar worker. Know, always a blue collar worker. They're the first ones in and out of the movie. And she, he's like, he's like naked, a naked man just materializes out of lightning. No, I'm, I'm out of here. I am out. Check out these. Buns. Yeah, is he, where is he at the Griffith Observatory? Like, actually, I never even thought of that before. But you know what? When you see that on top of the building, it doesn't matter what the building is. <laughs> Look at that physique. He gave us a little flex there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was definitely flexing. There was a butt. little pinch. Now, nice. Yeah, of course. Check out great she, cameo. One of the earliest roles ever. Bill Paxton, the late great Bill Paxton. Not to be confused with Pullman. That's right. No, ne- never, never confuse Paxton with Pullman. Oh, here he comes. Here he comes with his dong out. <laughs> and they're just laughing. These the classic 80s, like, yeah. um, what is this called? Cyberpunk almost. Kind yeah. Of. I love the aesthetic of the future from the 80s. 
Like you look at Blade Runner, uh, The Running Man, Total Recall even. The future was this inconceivable future, like this yeah. time. You had no idea what it was going to look like. But it, maybe that's because the, the 80s had such such a stranglehold on technology that would soon be perfected within decades from then. But they had the ideas in motion already. Video games, like in the home entertainment front. Yeah. Right up to uh, laser discs. I love also too how the version, the vision of the future in the '80s was just like the world just disintegrates. <laughs> like, right. like right now we're seeing you know the hellscape of a Los Angeles downtown core of like just empty streets, garbage everywhere, homeless everywhere, police sirens. You know, it's just a very not a, not a great you know great looking future. I like how Kyle Reese just drops from the sky. Well, did the sort of the Terminator, but no, no, he didn't drop. Well, we didn't actually see him. He just oh he was just there. I guess in Terminator 2, he doesn't drop either. But I also love, too, how Kyle Reese is a human, and he's obviously in, like, excruciating pain. He has, like, burns on his skin from being transported through time. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, the Terminator didn't. But it's interesting they both have the access to the same technology, now that I think right. about it, because they're both on different sides. Now, I, I won't let it try to sway any of my judgment, but I did watch the beginning of... Um, Terminator Genesis. Oh, the that's not the new one, is it? No, that's okay, Dark no, no. Fate. Yeah, Dark Fate. Reese is sent back through time, and he's suspended like he's weightless. And that's why he falls, is because he wasn't grounded. Oh, that's interesting. When the Arnold T-800 from the first Terminator, the evil one, yeah. is uh, selected in the Genesis movie, he goes down in that position. That's how he prepares himself for oh, the time travel. Okay. So I, I think it might imply that his his body weight allows him to stay yeah, grounded. Interesting. I wonder how much a Terminator weighs. Wait a minute. Are we supposed to be following along with a, a, a drinking game right now? Um, yeah, I don't think too many things. I don't think. Yeah, what's remind me of the rules again? When uh, when Kyle Reese says the Terminator, Terminator, when Connor is mentioned by name, mm -hmm. when we see through the eyes of the Terminator. Oh, we have to drink twice for that. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that Kyle Reese asked that policeman what year it was. Like, shouldn't he know what year it is? He's traveling back in time to a specific time mm. to, you know. Maybe there was a glitch. Or maybe he needed the Terminator to get there first. Oh, maybe he jumped into the portal. That's why he Ooh, was. Oh, yeah, maybe. That's why he crash landed. Look at those sweet nights. Like Marty McFly nights. Oh, yeah, man. The Velcro strap. Doesn't matter what 80s flick it is. The future was Nike. <laughs> But yeah, this movie was made apparently for at the time like a relatively lower budget, um, and you mean it can even it shows in the movie like there is special effects, but um, you know very minimal production design in terms of you just need a, like a lot of back streets. You need um, kind of industrial looking, um, like especially towards the end, the final confrontation. But but yeah, then it went on to gross. I think eighty at oh. the time, eighty million bucks. Yeah, yeah, one of the biggest hits of the year. Oh, it was, yeah, it was huge. I was reading here that uh, a studio wanted O.J. Simpson to play the Terminator. I, read, I can't believe that. I just don't even understand. James Cameron wanted originally Lance Henriksen for the Terminator. Oh, okay. And he showed up to an audition in full yes. gear and like yes, kicked, he did. kicked open the door and yeah, yeah, yeah. it was all violent. <laughs> yeah. Who was also in the Piranha movie. Oh, I didn't hear yeah, that. Yeah. Fun fact, Sting was considered for the role of Kyle Reese. Yikes. I mean, I, I can see the look. But can Sting act? <laughs> I'm just thinking too many moments of him just. Re he's like the Elvis of the '80s. Like Yo. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like I'm just thinking of like Eddie Murphy being like, oh, if I could just let him sing all the dialogue. 
<laughs> we gotta win this race. <laughs> Lemonade. That's a refreshing drink. Well, and here's Jeff's. Yeah, here she is. The heroine. You know, one of. I mean, I, I think Ellen Ripley probably might be, uh, you know, higher up the list, but. And and even though she didn't do, you know, she really only did the two film, including not including the newest one, but I mean, Sarah Connor in the Terminator, just such a great female hero yeah. um, for action uh, films. This shot right here, this was all done after the the filming had ended, where he steals this car. Yeah, this was this, so the filming was all done. They wrapped up the Arnold. Arnold had that costume in the trunk of his car. Cameron shows up with a camera guy. The three of them shoot that scene, looking over their shoulders, making no cops were coming in the distance. They were like, okay, go punch the window out of that car. <laughs> and what was really funny between the two of them was that no one broke face. They were just like, yeah, okay. Like, Arnold didn't even think, like, no, I should probably have a stuntman punch that in. No, he just went for it because he had finished doing the entirety of The Terminator. And he just went for it. In preparation for that role, he systematically taught himself how to take apart guns and reassemble them oh yeah and he did it over and over and over again until he had it like perfect almost like a military thing like a machine exactly oh i do love this scene although i feel so bad for this this gun shop owner like Mm -hmm. or the worker because he's like selling all kinds of he's he's having probably the one of the best sales days ever had Mm -hmm. selling him like 10 guns (laughs) also love how um arnold's delivery in this scene like just naming off the guns Mm -hmm. glock nine millimeter (laughs) uzi (laughs) Well, the guy even says, I'm going to close early today. Yeah, exactly. He's so happy. <laughs> He's not at all worried that this like extremely intimidating man is just like buying an arsenal. Yeah. He's like, oh, and he loads up the shotgun. Hey, you can't do that. Oh, wrong. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, <laughs> Kyle Reese is, uh, he's not being so, uh. Oh, yeah, he's looking like one of the sketchiest people ever just walking down the street. No, don't mind this sawed-off shotgun or my trench coat. Dude, he doesn't need a sawed-off <laughs> shotgun to be looking sketchy. <laughs> I know, look at him. <laughs> look at him, yeah. He's sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> he's sweaty and scared and looking around and he's constantly. wearing a homeless person's pants. Like, he smells like a skid mark. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I never even thought about that part. <laughs> he just threw Hillbilly Jim right out of the phone booth. I saw Jim Duggan. <laughs> oh! <laughs> This sweet and salty mix is quite good. Dude, I told you. Oh, man. Everything's sweet and salty. You got sweet and salty popcorn. We got sweet and salty O. Henry mix. We got you and me. That's sweet and salty. (laughs) Who's sweet and who's salty, though? I think I'm pretty sweet. Oh, man. Arnold looks so intimidating right there. Poor Sarah Connor, number one. I remember seeing this as a kid. I was so scared. Something about the slow motion of it, of him coming through the door like that. Kyle, what are your top five time travel movies? One thing about about this podcast, I, I don't know if you know the Michael Rapport podcast, but we no fact checking apparently on this podcast because I have no idea what year it is, or if I'm going to pronounce this guy's name right. But his name's Nacho. Fake news. Nacho Vigalondo Vidalongo. So you got to sell it. You just got to pick one. Nacho Vidalongo. There you go. And he made a movie called Time Crimes. Okay. Uh, and it's just a it's a thr- like a thriller. Uh, it's a sentence. Uh, it's like a Spanish language film, but the time loops. It's about a guy that just. It's like a try, uh, uh, not a comedy of errors, but he just goes into this free fall of this weird time loop, time paradoxal thing. It's hard to explain, but anyways, yeah, time crimes would be would be up there. Then there's uh, source code. 
okay. with Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, yeah. Actually, one of the best movie experiences ever because I wanted to see Fargo and... Or no, I wanted to see another movie and they said it was sold out or something. So I, without knowing anything, went to see Source Code and it was um, absolutely incredible. Uh, then there would be, I mean, number one would be Back to, Back to the Future, obviously, is just, just so much fun. And just part one, though. Exactly. No, I mean, I loved them all. I had them all growing up. But Third, I, can, I can't get into. Yeah, third's on, it's honestly tough. pretty bad, yeah. Number two is a lot of fun, but yeah, oh, yeah. No, number one is just perfect. I love Jaws 19. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you see the the fake trailer for that someone made for Jaws nineteen? Yeah, no, yeah. Jaws made you afraid to go in the water. Jaws two made you afraid to go back in the water. Jaws three D was a new dimension in terror. In Jaws four, the revenge. It was personal. Then it was just business. Then pure pleasure. Cyber Jaws made you afraid to log on. And Robo Jaws made you afraid of robotic sharks. Then Chief Brody's grandson assembled a super team of shark hunters. Jaws 10, it was man versus shark versus all the terrors of the deep. Outer space, then a prequel, and a sequel to the prequel. And then a new era in terror began. Jaws started a family. Battled a Russian shark named Ivan Sharkovsky. Took a bite out of the Big Apple and learned about love from a mysterious stranger. Jaws 18 Origins, the mind-blowing reboot. Now, the oceans are disappearing, and to save their home, the sharks must attack. Jaws 19. This time, it's really, really personal. Coming soon. Yeah. Um, and then, actually, uh, there's a movie called uh, Primer. Have you ever heard of Primer? No. Uh, super low budget. I think they made it for like $10,000. Mm. And uh, it's about two scientists that discover, uh, create a like a box that uh, when you're in the box, it like you can reverse time or something. It's really, really cool. It's, it's considered one of the best time child movies. Like the science in it is actually like kind of, kind of real in a way. Like it's super hard to follow. Okay. Um, but just a, a really, really amazing, like constantly throwing mm. you for loops. Um, that's another thing. Like I do love not just time travel movies, but time loops, con- time loops. Oh yes. Time loops. I'm cause I'm going to say edge of tomorrow is oh. absolutely amazing. Uh, I watch, I could watch that. I watch that all the time if it's Very on TV. Cool. Have you seen Edge of Tomorrow? No. Oh my God, man. I know. <laughs> I know. So yeah, it's so many. I like time, like Triangle. There's a recent film last oh, couple yeah, yeah, yeah. Triangle. It's yeah, on yeah. Sh- I don't know if it's it on is. Shutter, but um, it is. That's a great one. What about you? Terminator and Terminator 2 rank very high on time travel flicks. Not to, not to be biased and try to eliminate the list, but Back to the Future 1, Donnie Darko. Oh yes, forgot about Donnie Darko. Donnie Darko is a very, very cool take on time travel as it as it uses as it almost uses the concept of time travel to be the lead of the movie as opposed to a lead actor being affected by time travel well yeah i like how that um not only like not just time travel but <clears throat> the idea of a, ta- a time tangent yeah like co- uh, something, a tangent universe. something that happens that kind of rips the fabric of time just a kind of tiny bit mm-hmm. and yeah, the idea of Donnie Darko is that it just needs to get back on track or something. It's like it needs to find the finality of what happens at the end in order for the world not to end. 
all of existence to kind of come crashing sure, down. Sure, yeah. That's a very heavy movie, one I haven't watched in a long time, but I just I just remembered uh, Looper. Ryan Johnson's great. Looper. That's a great one. Oh, amazing. And yeah. I love that, that idea. And that kind of has like um, uh, one of the fun things about, remember at the end of Back to the Future where he has the family photo and if he doesn't make this one thing happen, the, the people in the photo start disappearing. Even his hand starts disappearing yep. at one point. Yep. Uh, so that to, to a degree that happens in Looper where when one of the main characters does what he needs to do to bring the story to a close, um, the other main character just like disappears. Mm-hmm. And that's like the end of, it's like it does his existence doesn't even, it could never matter because he never existed. You know, it's kind of, right. it's kind of cool. Or like when, oh man, when Paul Dano's character is, his skin is slowly yes. rotting away and disappearing because they're cutting, they're torturing him in another time. Absolutely wild. <laughs> what a wild so scene that wild. is. Yeah. Yeah. And then another one that just, I, you know, it doesn't register necessarily right away with time travel, but uh, does get mentioned on lists is uh, Groundhog Day. Yes, again, like I love time loops, time paradoxes, time travel, and yeah, I mean, for a comedy, it's I mean that's top five comedy right there. Groundhog Day is just incredible because I love it's so entertaining to me to watch a scene play itself out over and over, but in slightly different ways like it because we're we're learning as the audience what is gonna happen so it's the anticipation of how the day should go and how different bill murray makes it go day to day it's it's so entertaining that's that is only one person though (laughs) yeah really yeah i mean bill murray knows how to sell the same story eight different ways i love too when he's like slowly going out of his mind like crazy bill murray face is is kind of is just so fun i love this club i know it's like noir so yeah now we're at the scene where Sarah Connor is trying to escape. Uh, she thinks it's the it, she, she's trying to escape Kyle Reese, but she ends up veering off into this like '80s techno club. And well, she yeah, thinks that Kyle Reese is is the bad guy. Yeah. yeah, she hasn't seen Arnold yet, but I look. I love the dance '80s dance moves in the clubs. Look at this guy. Look at the guy. Back. What are you talking about? That's how I dance. <laughs> you mean I dance totally rad? <laughs> yes, just gnar. like the 80s, rad. Yeah, it's totally gnar. <laughs> Gnarly. You know what's really upsetting is right before the truck blows up, Arnold looks his most terrifying in that moment. No eyebrows. Yeah, ha- Half sure. of his skin is blown off. And the lighting casting the shadow under his brows, he looks horrifying. Yeah. Obviously, the tension builds throughout the movie to a point where you know, you're right along with it. Brad Fidel's um, soundtrack is just phenomenal with yeah, it too. Super synth heavy. Yeah, which is amazing because maybe about ten years ago we might have said, "Oh, that soundtrack's so dated, it's so cheesy." Now it's amazing. But now it is the the aesthetic that has come back. I mean, aside from and I'll always reference Stranger Things because Stranger Things is such a fanboy project for you know people like you and I. And it helped. I mean, it helped in a way. Kick- Kick, like a, in terms of the reach, kickstart the resurgence of that nostalgic, you know what I mean? That movie was, or the show was just a, immediately everyone was like, oh, you see all the references to the, you know, the Goonies and E.T. And it's just, you know, even the synth heavy yes. score. So it was like, you know, yeah. you got to give Stranger Things a lot of credit for oh all Oh my that. God, yes. Yeah. Also the 80s aesthetic that has been working its way back into cinema. So Drive. Oh yes. Yeah. Um, the score for Drive. Basically any, any of uh Oh, uh, Nicholas Winden, Rifen, Nicholas Rifen Wilding. <laughs> awesome. One of the above. What he said. 
Yeah, so all of his movies I love, and he's got me hooked on the aesthetic, visually, and the soundtrack. I loved Neon Demon. I love Drive. Um, only God Forgives. Only God Forgives. I didn't see that one, but yeah. Drive is definitely, uh, and that's another, speaking of, I know I mentioned Source Code earlier, but yeah. one of my favorite movie-going experiences was just the opening 15 minutes of Drive into the opening credits with the music. Right. I, my, I think I was just like... I, in terms of movie going joy, my my jaw was just like I was like, oh my god, I can't believe what I'm watching. Like, sure, yeah. She like what the perfect timing. She she calls her friend to leave a message of where she is at the exact moment the Terminator. Oh yeah, is looking for her. You know, it was only a matter of time. Yeah, there's Lance Henderson right there. Yeah, old Bishop from the Aliens movies. Well, he made it. So she must live right around the corner from the bar because he's like there already. I love this song. It's like a um, Pat Benatar-ish kind of. Oh, yeah. You know, one of those like anthems. Yeah. It's like you could still dance like Carlton to it. Yeah. Um, also love too. I, I read. So just the way that Arnold's entering this um, this bar looking for Sarah. Uh, when when Cameron was coming up with the idea for the film, you know, part of his part of what he wanted to do was essentially make a slasher, like a, a stalker type slasher kind of horror film you know very inspired by michael myers in right. halloween yeah so and you can see that actually looking at you know the terminator he is a machine he's a robot but he moves very methodically very even he doesn't run really he just kind of it's that idea of, a, of an unstoppable force that will just you know come at you with no emotion you know i love that when he yeah he finally sees her when yeah. he tilts his head and just down. the sound the sound design of well yeah, I found this so scary as a kid. It's crazy this came out in 84, too. I don't remember what year it was when I saw it, but I was only four years old in 84. There's no way I saw this when I was four years old. Oh, no. Definitely, probably, I would say seven or eight, maybe. No. Still too young. I, I remember seeing Terminator 2 first and loving it. And then when I saw Terminator 1, I thought, ah, I don't know if it's as yeah. good. But they sit on so different. It's like, so darker and gr grittier and grimier. But what, that's what's so cool about it is that, you know, Arnold gets to play a heel in the first one. He gets to play a, a good guy in the in the second one. And uh, Actually, yeah, that's I just you reminded me when you brought that up that um, look, the, tr the power of the trailers is, you know, like such a big part of what sells a movie. And, you know, I understand that, but apparently it was Cameron's original intent for if you watch Terminator 2, like just on its own. At the very like without any pre preconceived notion, it's by design to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger's bad. Like he's going to be bad because he was bad in the Terminator. Right. And even up until the and even using the T one thousand, making the T one thousand a police officer, you're just automatically you think he's a good guy. Right. And and, and so without seeing the, the trailers ruined it because they 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 told you the T one thousand was bad. But if you watch the the movie like that, you realize up until the moment when they all three of them meet John, the Terminator, and the T one thousand in yes. the mall hallway in the oh, back I love hallway. That. That's the oh, the first moment that it would it would have been such a crazy twist to see that in a theater yes. and not know yes. what was really going down. Come with me if you want to live. Like what the hell? And we're just like as confused as John would be, you know. So James wanted the special effects legend Dick Smith to create the design for the Terminator skeleton from the Exorcist fame. Yeah, and aging Marlon Brando and the Godfather. Okay. But he declined it. Mm -hmm. uh, but, got any. but he was like, hey, how about Stan Winston? I know. How about like, yeah, the other greatest special effects legend of, you know, took six months. 
to film the whole movie? No, to create Cameron's vision of the oh, skeleton nice. puppet. Uh, it was created using clay, plaster, urethane molding, which was then cast in a mixture of epoxy and fiberglass, reinforced steel throughout the rig. The whole skeleton was chrome-plated to stress to look more realistic. Final skeleton weighed more than 100 pounds. Hmm. That's how you can stay grounded during time travel. That's true. Your skeleton weighs 100 pounds. Look, he's got no eyebrows. Now he's looking terrifying. <laughs> looks like a monster. Looks like Frankenstein's monster. Yeah, it's that forehead. But even without his eyebrows, he still looks like Arnold. He's got that furrowed brow. Yeah. But yeah, the design of the skeleton, like, you know, pretty enduring. Uh, you know, an image that has just kind of stayed with even the franchise year after year. Very signature to the franchise. Just a marvel of design. So, I mean, Stan Winston. Yeah. Yeah. What, what more can you say? Oh, he knows. Yeah. I was uh, watching an interview between Cameron and uh, Schwarzenegger talking about how initially when the studio was, you know, suggesting OJ for Terminator, um, they suggested Arnold to play Kyle Reese. Oh, yeah, I read that too. And um, it was after the meeting that uh, James had said, no, 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 it's going to be Arnold. James went back and painted a portrait of Arnold as the Terminator, as he saw him. And then when he showed it to Arnold, the portrait of him that he painted, Arnold goes, I am the Terminator. <laughs> yes, you are Arnold. Yes, you are. That scene that we just saw there where he he's looking around and tilting his head, Arnold, when he was driving. Yep. That was his idea to move his eyes like a surveillance camera. Nice. To never, move yeah, the eyes and that. then the head. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. And that goes back to what you're saying about the cold, calculated, methodical, mm-hmm. um, killer, stalking uh, quality that the T-800 has. We haven't really gotten on too much about the soundtrack, but uh, this soundtrack is is awesome. It's timeless. Yeah, I know. Just, yeah, that, just the theme itself evokes just such a... You know, I get like nostalgia, if, if nostalgia yep. pangs is the right word, sure. you know what I mean? Like just right in your gut, when I hear the, uh, the the main theme to the Terminator, it just like, especially that opening credit sequence too, of just how the letters work and man, yep. just so, so many great kind of memory twinges. A lot of the uh, synthetic hits, uh, the percussive hits of that, he wanted to recreate the heartbeat of the Terminator. Yeah, a mechanical machine <laughs> machine heartbeat. Yeah. And uh, a lot of those were samples of frying pans being whacked together. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, especially towards the end, you can really tell the when the, the hits start becoming a little more ding, 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 ding. Yep. You know? Yeah, almost like a, like a keg drum getting pinged. Yeah. Yeah. The time signature is strange, but... Yeah, what was it again? 7, 8, 6, 8. Oh, 6, 8. Oh, that's, that's well, it's not just that 3, 4. Yeah, that's not that But strange. it started as... Uh, it was a 13, 16. It was like, Brad, are you secretly writing for Meshuga? <laughs> a true math metal pioneer. Yeah, that's true. But I love, I love knowing what kind of synthesizers he used. Uh, a Prophet 10... Oberheim, um, those were, those were so well. It's very eighty sounding. Even even the composers for Stranger Things soundtrack of recent years, they go back to you know Carpenter and Fidel and um, Vangelis, like who did all of the Blade Runner soundtrack and. Well, okay. Yeah, like all of those guys use the same synths because that's what the eighties were made of. Yeah, the- but something unique about 
um, this soundtrack was that MIDI had been just introduced, but Brad did not have the gear to support MIDI. So what that meant was um, he had two different units playing um, their own sequences, but he had no way to actually cue them up in sync with each other. He actually had to manipulate the tempos live as they were playing. Mm -hmm. So the soundtrack that you hear here is actually performed live. It's not done in multiple takes. He's got multiple instruments that he's queuing up individually and trying to sync their tempos as they're playing. Hmm. Very, very tricky, very complicated. And it's pretty impressive. Yeah. But now it's, you know, uh, you've got VST plugins and, you know, a couple clicks and you've got the entire Oberheim. You could bring up a preset that probably is called Terminator. And, <laughs> you know, it takes you no time. Yeah, more than likely you probably could. Yeah. Still just rocking that same shotgun. Yeah. In 2029, would there be, you know, how does he know how to hotwire a car, right? Right. Someone passed on the script, one of the, one of the people uh, that he originally wanted to play Terminator, and they, they passed on it because they found it too illogical. And James Cameron said, you know, if, if the story and the characters are entertaining enough, like mm -hmm. believable enough, then no one will care in the end. Right. You know what I mean? It just takes like film geek kind of you know, assholes like us to, to like point out the flaws of uh, any particular, I'm not that I'm pointing them out. I'm just kind of like trying to think about it as I watch it, but, right. but also, but I'm, yeah, but I'm, you know what I mean? I'm definitely one of those people that, you know, if the movie works, it works. Like mm -hmm. you don't really have to kind of think too far into it if, if you don't need to, mm. especially when we're dealing with futuristic cyborgs that come back in time to kill a, <laughs> to kill an unborn or, yeah, the, the mother just, of yeah, an unborn. To stop a kid from being born. In that present. Yeah. Uh, do you have a list of cyborgs or AI movies? Do you? Robocop. Oh, man. Because I was going to say, because you, well, you said it earlier, and I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat where I'm not ultimately not the biggest sci-fi fan. So no. just when you said cyborg films, I'm like, cyborg starring Van Damme. Is that, right. That's the only movie, yeah, yeah. I, you know. No, oh, no, yeah, no. I totally forgot about Robocop, of course. Yeah, Robocop. Um, Terminator, 2001 Space Odyssey, Hal, that's the AI. Um, you know, like those, those, those movies are very, very, very cool. And it's, it's scary at the same time. That's the horror. It's not the horror that can carry out in the scene, but the perception of a future that we're actually currently living in. And all of these movies I just listed were, movies from decades ago and they're and they're ringing true you know that i i said it i said it back in the movies episode 2001 space odyssey that was that's from 1968 you know trying to uh paint a, a, an image of what it's going to be like in 2001 hold on here we go yeah baby oh it says to pour aggressively it does? Yeah. It's a stout. Oh, yeah. It says it only can somewhere. Yeah. Pour vigorously. 180 degree pour. Oh, wow. I didn't go quite 180. Degrees. No. Yeah. But I think uh, 2001 Space Odyssey is very uh, terrifying in the sense that they weren't far off from basically 40 years before. Yeah. And yeah, so and it's interesting, too, to think about how you know 2001 deals with a rogue ai mm -hmm. would we have 
the Terminator without 2001 or sure. I know it's also inspired by like the writings of like someone like Harlan Ellison or something, you know? Um, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just that vision of the future. But it's, it is kind of interesting, you know, that a rogue AI does go for as far back as 1968. Was it? Yep. Uh, 2001. Yeah. yeah. But do you know that, um, even, uh, his, his Kubrick's previous movies, um, Dr. Strangelove. Yeah. Dr. Strangelove. He's, he's a cyborg. His hand has involuntary movements that somehow Sig Heil oh, yeah. as, as a character tick. These great LAPD cop cars, which I don't think has the design of them ever changed. Like it seems so oh my signature God. to protect and serve, you know. This is the same future car that existed in Robocop of the same era. Mm. A Datsun. <laughs> I just noticed that too. I never noticed that before. Yeah. Of course, why would I? Some, and why was it even just parked there? Why, you know? Yeah. Ooh, Sarah Connor saves saves him there. That's one thing I did read too, that when they were going uh, back, you know, casting mm-hmm. Kyle Reese and Sarah Connor, um, part of the process was finding, you know, kind of believable chemistry. You know, you had to believe that these two people would kind of fall in love in such a short period of time from when they met. Because, right. you know, obviously they have to conceive Mr. John Connor. You mean that one... But yeah, that that's part that of one you scene gave it an R rating. Yeah, sexually suggestive scene. <laughs> you know, in addition to just the the constant body count. <laughs> I always liked how this guy treated. Like I always thought this guy was like super nice and how he treated Sarah. Mm-hmm. Also thought the guy in the back and the so the guy in the back. I don't know his name, but he he's a doctor, the psychiatrist. He even he was recast in Terminator Two. He's such rolling. a dickhead. Man. Yeah, he's scum. She really believed that he was sent back from the future. Look at him yawning. What yeah. an asshole. And that's why collars on shirts are no longer <laughs> that large. Oh, yes. Yeah. So this is such a great here scene. Here we go. Now we got Stan Winston in full effect. We're going to, he's, uh, the Terminator is about to heal himself. Stan, Stan Winston recast <laughs> the Terminator in this scene. Oh, yeah. Look at him. He's just like his eyes all fucked up. How did he know to go here? Yeah, I know. Did he just find a random apartment to break into? I guess he has the you know ability to kind of maybe look through, sure, to find life forms and stuff. But did but did he, did he know that this hideout had a scalpel? Yeah, you know. Again, this is into that conversation of logic. Oh, yeah. Now we're earning the R rating. Yeah, <laughs> it's literally cutting his wrists open. You know, when I when I speak uh, in favor of wrestling, and people start asking questions that lead you down that path of yeah. Eh. You know, where you have to suspend your disbelief. It stops being fun. Like it is fun. Right. It's fun to discuss it, but it's not fun to seriously kind of dwell on things like that. And I always end those conversations with, and these are questions we don't have to ask because it's wrestling. <laughs> yeah. These are questions yeah. we don't have to ask because this is the Terminator. the Terminator. Yeah. Yeah. Man, look how cool that looks. So cool. The inside of his arm, the mechanics of what's underneath the the flesh of his outer shell. Yeah. I guess to be fair to this psychiatrist guy that just cannot believe what crazy Kyle Reese is telling him, it would be pretty unbelievable, honestly. Even now. I know. <laughs> like, okay, so let's step into the real world for a moment. Let's go 180 on what I just said. We, as a society, have access to movies that have dealt with time travel crazies. And in 2020, we would we would be those cops going, <laughs> yeah, no. True. No, that only exists in the movies. Yeah, same thing with like zombies or something. Like right. if the zombie apocalypse actually happened, it'd be like, no, nah, this can't be right. This can't right. be real. But all of these movies are really extensions of metaphors. Zombies, 
depending on how they're framed in the movie, are usually the mundane existence of society. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Oh, I always found this so creepy. The single, is, the single drop of blood yeah. that hits. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's just carving his eye. Look at that. I don't oh, know why yeah. that, uh, as a kid, I, I found that and so this, disturbing. Right here? Oh, pop, yeah. Snap. Just pop, pops his eye completely out. Man, I don't remember seeing this version in a long time. Wow. Fuck. He takes his whole eye out. And he dabs it. Just a little dab with a towel. Just a little dab. But then he, like, digs it into his eye socket. Yeah, look at that. Get all <laughs> that blood out of there. And obviously, you can tell right there, it's kind of a totally synthetic Arnold Schwarzenegger, but still really cool. The first look at the like the iconic yeah. Terminator eye. Oh, the sunglasses. The gargoyles. Here we go. Almost like a costume change. Now we get like, oh yeah, this is the Terminator look for sure. Yeah. And I love this. He fixes his hair. <laughs> Why does he do that? That's yeah, so funny. It's like, what just happened? <laughs> he just considered that his hair was the thing that needed fixing. How did he know there were guns under this bed? <laughs> also, all right, so I'm about to uh, just... And I'm just doing, I'm going to enact a full scale assault on a police station. Better make sure my hair looks good. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to cut my eyeball out and fix my hair. It's basically like doing your lashes before you go out on the night. You're like, I just went through hell for this. I hope you enjoy my lashes. I'm also going to move on to the propeller mocha. Honestly, one of my favorite recent beers of, of if you like coffee. Note. Yeah. If you like coffee and you like chocolate and, and you're not a big fan of beer, then this is going to be the one for you because you almost forget that it's a beer. Yeah, there's not even a lot of carbon carbonation in it. There's my there 180. Go. Oh, yeah, see? Look at that, just pumping. Goo, 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 goo. Oh, geez. Oh, no, you got it. But yeah, Linda Hamilton really didn't do too much after this, did she? Like, you know, I can't even think of anything. No, I don't. I think she, I mean, she did, you know, quit. She did make a decision to quit acting, but came back, obviously, for Dark Fate, but... Mm. Probably just tired of the whole machine. Ah, hey, hey, oh, well, sometimes the Terminator doesn't have to be Arnold. Yep, the Terminator is the machine out to get you. Here we have one of the great action set pieces ever um, the assault on the police station by the Terminator. I wonder what the body count of this scene is. Definitely, I would say, I don't know, 30. Mm -hmm. Also, great. I love the great tension too of her hiding in the um in one of the offices yeah and kyle coming to uh you know he comes in the room and he, she thinks it's the terminator but it's him and oh great great score too obviously in this scene just that it's wow. almost like a a foghorn yes Wah. yeah well it reminds me of resident evil like it's that air raid like yeah. there's something yeah it's almost is, like jaw this is yeah this is warning this is emergency everybody like yeah. prepare yourself yeah yeah it, it's, you know, I think of movies, movies that I love, I find ways to align them, you know, within the same sphere, you know, that you've got uh, the Jaws soundtrack. So the soundtrack will indicate that the shark is present without seeing it. The, the, the Terminator has a soundtrack without him being seen. Oh, he means so well. No. Yeah. Oh. Oh no! I thought uh, there's a scene, there's a scene later where I just because it, you know it's my name, but I, there's a scene where I she goes, Kyle. Yeah, I always like that. Yeah, yeah. Not too many heroic maths that I can <laughs> there, think of. There's, there's definitely not too many heroic Kyles. <laughs> Here we go. This yeah, I love the this score picks up that like, riff. 
It's like it's like a guitar riff. Yeah. Almost like you're running through. Sounds like a video video game too. Oh yeah. But that's that '80s synth, right? You know, that's an an arpeggiator. In in recent years, this '80s style of music has stepped away from movies and is now just a genre of throwback where they use analog gear and it's been dubbed synth wave and i love it yeah i'm not mad at that title that 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 like you know classification calling it synth wave i like that yeah i think it it, it explains a lot and it's not new wave yeah it's synth wave and then but then again just like metal we have our offshoots there's dark wave where it goes dark there's horror wave where it sounds like a horror soundtrack I just love all of it, and and it just anything nostalgic. I just love. Mm-hmm. Like I know it's Hollywood and all, but her hair still looks good. That teased kind of yeah, like Nikki Six wishes <laughs> jazzercise. Kind That's of right, jazzercise. <laughs> yeah, and thrust and thrust. That sounds like something Ricky would call somebody in Trailer Park Boys with that there. You better calm down there, jazzercise. <laughs> Some with like some teased mullet. <laughs> he has your eyes. Uh, first indicator. Also. <laughs> kind of like how did John <laughs> just delving too deep into the the hidden meanings of Find the Terminator? John Connor didn't know that Kyle Reese was his dad. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or did he know? He maybe that's why he's he had that's why he had to send him back. He knew it was his destiny to send Kyle Reese back to mm-hmm. have sex with his mom. <laughs> well, that's an idea. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Hey yo, <laughs> this is um, George McFly and. Uh, Lorraine McFly oh my having their first kiss at the Enchantment Under the Sea dance. John Connor's looking at this photo, like waiting for his parents to have sex. <laughs> if they don't disappear, he knows they were banging. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Quick time travel movie trivia. Mm-hmm. What was the name that Lorraine called Marty when they first met and he was in her bedroom at the very, you know, when they first. Oh. Calvin. <laughs> Calvin Klein. <laughs> <laughs> like Crispin Glover's McFly. <laughs> He's yeah, he was perfect for that role. Just his like kind of skitzy, awkward <laughs> you know the, Oh yeah, his laugh. Wow, that's a pretty good impression. I was watching a making of of uh, Terminator and uh, there was a lot of techniques here used. This is all miniatures. Um, the foreground is full scale. So there's a scene where there was not this here. That's a, that's a projector in the background. I know you can totally tell now looking at it, looking yeah. at it from these like, you know, critical. Eye. As a kid, there's no way I'd notice. As a kid, it was just like seamless, yeah. right? But like Kubrick did that for 2001. So in in 68, there was a it's a technique called um, front screen projection. There's a scene or a still that is projected onto the backdrop, and then the actors act on a stage set within a certain parameter or distance or depth to with relation to the background um that's where that suspicion of the lunar landing being rigged comes from mm-hmm. i love too how kyle reese had that photo mm-hmm. that john had given him right of a picture that hasn't even been taken yet will only be taken at the end of the movie but yeah but this is the future mm-hmm. it's wild did he rent this apartment from this landlord did they have an encounter like an you know i like that fuck you asshole and fuck you are two different options 
And the landlord takes it. Oh, yeah, okay, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, nothing to see here, folks. <laughs> I know. Good thing the landlord's gone, like, see him come. Oh, no, there's someone in the old. Oh, he's like, no, fuck that but shit. But really, but really, though, I think this building, that's not an issue. Yeah, that's true. It's probably, yeah, like the famous Skid Row in Los Angeles. That's oh probably where that apartment is. One of the reviews I even read that, um, or one of the quotes from the one of the, just like, the it was just moving constantly, this movie. Like, these action scenes, just like, you're always kind of like moving forward. Yep. Yeah, very effective filmmaking for sure. I mean, yes, I do. I can't appreciate why James would like to state that this is his first oh, for sure. movie. I mean, but it's hard to... It's hard to not appreciate where you've come from. That's true. And I can't help but think of Peter Jackson. Yeah, exactly. Bad taste. Bad taste. Uh, but then, but Dead t- Alive. But Dead Alive is so much better than yeah. bad taste. But you know? then, and then what? Lord of the Rings? <laughs> he didn't do that right after Dead Alive, did he? No, but my point is. is oh, he that, did the Frighteners. But he had like, <laughs> he, di- he didn't say that he didn't do those movies. No, he wasn't discounting those movies. No, 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 no. No, I know what you mean, yeah, but like. It's almost because I know, yeah, James Cameron was studying with or like, you know, apprenticing or whatever, assistant or whatever to Roger Corman. Um, and probably that's how we got. I almost see like, yeah, the piranha thing is just kind of like a, you know, mm-hmm. an audition reel or something like he was, getting, was his, great. getting his feet in the door. Mm-hmm. I love how he grabs the underside of the truck, too. You watch, you see all the bloody knuckles. Man, I haven't seen this in so long. Like, I must have seen, must have seen a lot of like TV edits or something. A lot of this, this just seems a lot more gory than I remember. Mm. Also, Uh, that extreme violence. Yeah, yeah. This this is the sequence where I find Arnold looks is most terrifying. Oh yeah, it just gets like progressively gnarlier as the movie goes on. But it's the lighting until he's finally just like his, you know, just a skeleton. Again, like, look, you see the light. He loves the red eye. In the windshield. Cameron loves chasing people with big-ass transport trucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Happens in Terminator 2, too. Yep. Nice shot. That's like the equivalent of Luke Skywalker hitting the, the core of the... Yep. The core of the Death Star. This is great. She can run pretty fast, so she's been out running this transport truck for a long time. Mm. Boom! This is all a miniature. Oh, this truck? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It still looks full-size. Amazing, yeah. Yeah, that's that projector there. <laughs> so, yeah, you might want to get out of that dumpster. Oh, the fire in the back's the projector. Yep. Yeah, okay. Yeah. See, I don't remember this shot at all, man. Look at that. She's come a long way. She was a waitress. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah. What's the time span of this movie? Like two days? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Oh yeah, because they spend the night like underneath that like bridge. Oh, but then they spend another night in the hotel where they have sex. So three days, oh, right. three or four days. Yeah. Kyle. Oh, there it was. Kyle. Yeah. I'll take a drink to that. <laughs> Here we go. The full reveal. The iconic skeleton. The face. I mean, it's the face. It's the teeth. Yeah. It's like the full skull is the most. But signature. it's the, the humanized teeth, yeah. like the white veneer. Yeah. And <laughs> this looks pretty cheap actually now watching it, but it does the motion capture. You know, they obviously had bigger budget, better technology for number two, but you know. Oh, look, now she's like full. She's just. But this skeleton is only terrifying because you spent the majority knowing it was Arnold. Yeah, that's true. He just will not stop. I love the idea, too, of the 
the red eyes being the life force almost right right uh you know which we'll see in a sec but you know that's once that's extinguished you know it's over yeah i never thought of that i like the synth hits <laughs> the metallic synth hits bow, to the metal bar bow, hitting the metal skeleton bow, bow, bow. yeah did brad fidel like get an oscar nomination for this score because he probably should have he didn't and <laughs> should have yeah that goes there oh shrapnel now you think that would have oh is but if the torso is still intact then if the head well, if the head is still alive. well this this is the dream this is cameron's dream yeah, so here we go this is full circle right now the idea for the terminator came from a dream that cameron had about a machine with knives crawling towards somebody so now we're gonna get that yep so cool it has a mission also very like psycho yeah bernard hermanis-esque like just hitting of strings yeah like dissonant <laughs> you know it's a uh, semitones it's so the bernard herman the, the strikes that's that's e and f at the same time weird it's like your brain knows it's wrong so it's like creates fear creates like it's amazing what yeah. music can do oh yeah <laughs> i know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna crawl into the most confined space i can find got to give it to the, the Terminator. He's It's pretty relentless. It, it has a job, and it's going to do it. Yeah. Oh, there's the button. I love, I love this shot, too, where the, the hand comes like right to her face. Yeah, look at that. And it gets her, too. That's the yeah. thing. Like, gets her at this point, it's going to, like, he's going to get her, you know. It has its hand around her, like, it's going to choke her. You're Terminator, fucker. Oh still watching her i know i can't believe it's yeah it's, it's a pretty resilient machine there here it goes it's out i love the story that this guy tells her good hustle <laughs> if he doesn't get the money for a picture his father will beat him oh great ending there's a storm coming in i know right Woo! yeah judgment day yeah now terminator 2 has always been cited as one of those the sequel is better than for sure, but I don't know about that anymore. I don't know. I don't know anymore either because <laughs> I love Terminator Two when I saw it, and then when I saw the first one because I was younger, the entertainment, the appeal, the merchandising at the time was so relevant to me. I was like, ah, I can't help but think that Terminator Two is that much better. And you, what's and like as you know, as minimal as. And, you know, as low budget or whatever, and as the Terminator is, the story and the idea and the mythology and like, just everything is there. Like the 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 story of how the machines came to be, and you know what I mean. It's all explained. So it's like Terminator Two is just, it's a bigger budget allows for, just more like it better can explain or better can like expand on that idea. What the Terminator One had had it all to begin with. Oh yeah, know? yeah. But it was the the darkness. Although I do love the addition of the Skynet. Um, what's his name? I forget. The guy that creates the AI. Like that whole oh. addition in Terminator 2. That's really cool. Yeah. And how he like helps them in the end. Skynet Cyberdyne Systems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, that was the Terminator. Yeah, that was the Terminator. Amazing. And you damn well know you've seen this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so, you know, if you, if you like listening to this, just man, yeah, definitely go back and and why, what a great Blu-ray too! That that great quality, just yeah, just definitely great. definitely a film worth revisiting if uh, if oh, you yeah. haven't seen it in a while for sure. Yeah, and definitely. if you haven't seen it at all, 
Oh, if, I mean, if you haven't seen it at all, I would say it's essential viewing for any fan of any genre fan of horror, sci-fi, action. It has all three, uh, and it's it's one of the best films, I guess, of that ever made. Yeah, it's so well shot, <clears throat> framed, and told that you don't have to be a fan of any one of the genres to follow it. For sure. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, it's I would say it, at its core, it's a chase. It's a thriller. You know, and, and in that way, I guess it's more accessible to anybody, you know, but there's definitely, you know, horror elements, obviously sci-fi elements mm-hmm. of the design and the characters and the ideas behind it. But yeah, anybody can watch this movie, I think. Till next time for Nostalgia Junk Podcast, I'm Kyle Smith saying, Kyle. And I'm Matt McGraw saying, you're terminated, fucker. How's it going, everybody? This is Chewy. And this is Monica. And we are from the podcast titled Exploring the Myths Behind the Legends. <laughs> Where we talk about stuff like horror films, shows, and folk legends. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Podchaser. Like us and give us a review. Hello yet again, and welcome to the Insanely Dangerous Retro Pod Show. Size doesn't matter, it's what you do with it yes well i mean i'm off now because i've got to go and scream absolutely garbage paulie shaw is somebody i don't really give a fuck about he did kick me off the arse nice nice argument there shut up shut up oh there's a finger i i almost urinated tune in next week because i just can't stop loving you guys it's the batman jeans no more andy hinchcliffe (laughs) I don't know.